2: Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you. Super, super, super welcome. Welcome, welcome.
3: Sorry,
4: Mr.
2: Benny. Yeah. How, the, how you be?
3: Good. A lot of buttons, and I missed one. My fault.
2: That, that's all right. I, that, I commented about that yesterday, didn't I? About uh, all the buttons now you yes. have to click and flip. and.
3: In my Christmas tree that I stare at every day, and I apparently had a bulb out. <laughs> that was my own fault. I know. Proverbially.
2: I know. Here, here, I've been prepped for today's uh-huh. show. I've been prepped. I've been prepped Good. for today's show with, uh, yeah, with Susan Pinker. I've been prepped. You know how I was prepped? Remember in the last hour I said that uh, myself and my my friend, um, we have birthdays. Hers is uh, the 8th, mine is the 11th of this month, right? Mm-hmm. And I said so we both have birthdays. And so then what happened is that, you know, we start to talk about, okay, what would you, what, you know, somebody asked, what would you, what's your, what, what's your birthday? What would you like to have a super birthday? How would you like to spend your birthday? And my friend's like, oh around people. That's why we're all going to go dancing Friday night. People, people. I got a hot flash. And I thought to myself, oh, that is good. And here we are. We're three days apart, uh, both Sagittarians. And uh, when I took the Myers-Briggs exam, I scored so high on the introvert scale. They made me take it again because they said nobody ever scores in that Less than 0. 0.00 blah, blah, blah percentile. So I took it again. Actually I took it three times. Uh, my boss actually didn't believe it because I don't present like that. But what, what is it about the world that we're living in now where my friend is almost an anomaly of wanting to get out and be with people? And here I am probably going to fit really well in a high tech don't call me world. Now, that's not really my personality, but it's a question mark around how we like to be. I will say this, Benny, about myself, that I do enjoy, if, if we're going to have FaceTime, me and you, we're going to have FaceTime, it's going to be quality FaceTime. And so the village effect, how face-to-face contact can make us healthier, happier, and smarter. Yes, yes. This is so cool. Developmental psychologist, journalist, Susan Pinker, joining me here today. Guess what? This is a cool book, everybody. Super cool. And we've got copies to give away. You know, why do we want to pay attention to, to this? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Besides all the rave reviews, you know, this best-selling author is getting. Besides all of that, there is, there is a punchline. You know, there is, as they say, a silver lining. But, you know, what is it that, you know, Susan has discovered along the way to the village? What has she discovered? Psychologist, columnist, broadcaster, writes about social science. Her first book, The Sexual Paradox, published 17 countries. But now here we are, you know, moving beyond the awards that she wins. Her, her work featured in New York Times, Globe, Times of London. I can go on and on and on. But what is it about? This particular book, that's probably going to hit a few nerves for us. Probably going to say, eh, you may actually want to go out on a date instead of email electronically on some online dating service. But guess what? There's a lot more that she's got to say. We get to talk about everything from childhood to teenage years to church and beyond. And what is the village effect all about? Susan, great to have you.
5: Oh, well, thank you so much for including me on your show, Dr. Pat.
2: Yeah. You know, I think let's start with this little quirky thing that I'm now starting to feel really bad about. You know, so this morning, you know, I go to traditional breakfast and myself and my friend, um, we have birthdays a couple days apart. She's the eighth on the 11th. And you know, I, I mean, the question came up as we're all kind of sitting around, sucking on some coffee, and question, well, you know, how do you like to spend your birthday? What do you, what do, what do you like for your birthday? And you know, here I felt as her answer was people. My answer was like a blank face. It was like you, you, like the deer, right? It, I know you're laughing, right? And here I'm I am laughing. I'm laughing.
5: You mean the deer in the headlights look? Yeah,
2: yeah. What happened to
5: me this morning? Help me. <laughs> well, I'm not sure because I heard you describe yourself just now before we went on as yeah. an extreme introvert, which yeah. I'm, I'm finding a little bit hard to believe from <laughs> your outgoing tone right. on radio. But I will say this, that everybody's different and everybody needs a different amount and type of social contact in person, but we all need some because it's yep. a biological appetite. It's like saying, you know, what are you going to do on your birthday? Are you going to have something to eat? <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. And, and the same thing for people. You will see people, I should hope, on your birthday. It's just a question of whether you party all day long or you just party some of the day. Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, it's really interesting to me now. And you know, here's what I I want to talk with you about because this is what I discovered. I mean, it's taken me. I, I mean, this was really super early this morning, so you could tell I've been thinking about it. And of course, I read your book, and so I, I really have been thinking about it. Um, one of the things I want to talk with you about is you know this idea of social interaction, social lives, and how it creates a level of resilience. Now. Really, I am. Some folks say you are a little anomaly. I love being in front of people. As a matter of fact, something happens. I did a a keynote talk a couple of weeks ago. Something happens to me in front of people. But then when I rejuvenate, I have to step away. So the birthday question is interesting. Would I be equally happy spending that alone or would I be happy spending it with a handful of people And what is the social contact in in our lives? What is going to be the gift to that in a world that is now fired up, flip it quick, FaceTime it, whatever that is that we are in the momentum of? It's really quite challenging, isn't it?
5: Well, you know, not all social contact is created equal, as I'm sure you've (laughs) discovered. Yes. You know, and what I use the word village effect for is as a metaphor for the kind of social contact we need to survive and thrive. I mean, yes. I didn't know, and I think nobody knew, that people with active, in-person social lives recover more quickly after an illness than people who are loners. Right. Or that women with breast cancer with large face-to-face social networks are four times as likely to survive. Because social contact switches on and off genes that regulate our immunity and tumor growth. So these are new ideas that kind of were unearthed as I went on the journey of writing this book. And it really not only, I don't know, it blew me away, but it also changed my own habits.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, let's talk about this. I mean, as you talk about the village effect, uh, you bring us some very, very, for me, some really uplifting and positive information because, you know, these are the things that I think we all look for. You know, how how do we step out into the world and proactively create our joy? How do we heal our bodies? How do we manifest? You know, I just I just had a gentleman on the show talking about, you know, talking about liquid luck and what's required for that. Um, And so I was really struck by, you know, this aspect of face to face contact and how it can make us healthier on on the way to writing this. It sounds like you had a number of ahas what are the, What are your top
5: three that kind of stuck out for you? Well, the first one was at the end of my last book, which was on sex differences, I was mm-hmm. left with this puzzle: mm-hmm. Why do women all over the world live five to seven years longer than men do? I mean, why do women have longer lifespans and one clue I discovered has to do with the power of their social bonds. Women tend to prioritize their relationships. You know, they reach out to others, they keep in touch with others, like you, they have breakfast with a friend who's got a birthday close to theirs, and and this partially leads to longer, healthier lives, on average, and the ability to stave off infection and even dementia. So that was the first aha. And the second aha is I was sitting in a dark auditorium, you know, publicizing my last book. It was kind of like the Canadian version of TED, which we call Idea City, and somebody else was presenting, an evolutionary biologist, and he started talking about one place in the world, an area where men live as long as women, or nearly as long. And these are a series of villages in a mountainous part of Sardinia, which is an island off the south of Italy. It's part of Italy, but it's an island off the mainland. Right. And these villages are the only places in the world where men live nearly as long as women do, and not just that. There are ten times as many centenarians there, as there are in North America. I mean, here we are, we're, you know, doing hot yoga and we're jogging our, you know, knees off and we're, you know, gulping multivitamins and we're doing all sorts of things to prolong our lives. We're eating low-fat diets. We're eating gluten-free diets. They do none of that, yet they live 10 times as long. they're, They're 10 times as many centenarians, excuse me. And when I went there to find out what was going on, I discovered that has a lot to do with their social lives and I'll describe that in a minute. So so that was really a second aha. And the third aha was that when I got back to my office and started to look into the research I discovered a whole whole mountains of research that show us definitively in many different ways that people who spend lots of time joining things and participating socially meaning it could be going to church every Sunday or volunteering somewhere at the hospital or meeting their friends for Starbucks twice a week or playing bridge. Whatever it is that they do to get out and meet people, those people have longer lives, like significantly longer lives, like 2 to 15 years. And as I delved into the science, I realized this is huge. This is, it's more important for your survival than quitting smoking. Or quitting drinking. Yeah. It's more important than keeping your weight down and doing exercise. And I felt like nobody is talking about this.
2: Right. 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 I mean, you know, it's fascinating you mentioned that. Um that part of Italy, I'm quite familiar with it being Italian myself. And Oh, you real- lucky devil. <laughs> <laughs> But it really is fascinating. And you know what I'm really struck by? I want to talk with you about this when we come back. You know, I grew up in a community um, in the Bronx, in New York. And I grew up in a community where community really was a village. I mean, this was village living, even though it was one of the most heavily populated cities on the planet, right? Yeah. There was a village effect there. And, and I found myself, as I grew older, Missing it. My heart actually hurt around it. I want to talk with you about that, about some of the things you talk about, especially as you refer to swimming through the school of hard knocks and some of the other things in the book. Our heart does hurt, yet, what is it that we can be aware to do about that? That's why Susan's joining us here today. We're going to take a short break. We've got copies of the book to give away, The Village Effect, fabulous book. We'll do that when we come back, everyone. Stay tuned.
4: Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. As nationally known guests, talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information.
0: Listen to the Yo! Andrew News Talk Show every Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. More info where to listen? www.yoandrewnts.com slash listen. Don't get your message lost in the mail. Email us with this address, yoandrew at yoandrewnts.com. How about tweet Yo! Andrew at AndrewTweetGeo. Taking a picture is easy. Instagram us today at @yoandrewnts. Step into more inner and outer
6: leadership in all facets of your life. This means being the CEO of your own destiny. Imagine a life of what you say goes. Lynn Brown, the host of Winning at the Game of Life, is going to help you activate the power in being present, owning your space, and harnessing all of your energy during her full day workshop. Own your leadership, own your life. Get ready to own your body, your relationships, your work, and your life. Lynn and co-facilitator Wendy Wolf have teamed up for a body and spirit experience that will transform you forever. Every person will receive two 20-minute sessions of body or aura work, amazing content, and a full one-hour healing session with Lynn or Wendy. Lunch is included. Space is limited. Sign up early and get an additional 20-minute session included. To register or for more information, contact Lynn at ruintuit.com or call 844-Bintuit. Workshop is January 31st, 9:30 a.m. to 4:30 p.m. in downtown Bellevue.
1: Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information.
2: Everybody, welcome back. What an incredible book uh, and conversation. I was so completely enthralled with this book. And we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about, you know, how this all relates to where we are. You know, how we raise our children now. What's possible? That's what Susan talks with us about, you know, about what's possible in the world we live in. Uh, and we, you know, Benny, let's do it. Let, let's let's kind of kick it up and give a copy of Susan's book away right now. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Susan, thank you for joining me here today. Before the break, I was, you know, I was talking about this, like I grew up in the Bronx, and it, we had a, like a little village. And, you know, we did gather. And my heart hurt when I didn't have that anymore. And, you know, as I grew up, I longed for it It was so part of my, my, my upbringing and my childhood. You know, there were so many rituals around it. And I shared one with you. You know, we'd sit on the same stoop every day uh, that we were out there. Every day we'd make noise. Every day, woman upstairs on the third floor would pour water on us. And we'd laugh. We'd go away. Next day would come. We'd do the same thing. I think I think that there's a, there's a longing for that, and I'm not quite sure what that's about. Perhaps you could talk to that for a little bit.
5: Yeah, of course. You know, I, I sent, you know before the break I talked about how it's a biological need. Mm. Being with people face to face is a biological need, like eating and sleeping and drinking water and sex. It's it's something everyone needs, and you you know you may need different amounts and different types, but it's pretty basic to our Survival and our ability to thrive as individuals. And so, when you talked about your heart hurting, you know, the reason why, one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because we're living in the age of loneliness. We've, we're more connected now than we've ever been before through our devices, but we've never been lonelier. So, right. we know that in the 1980s, for example, there were an average of three people that Americans could lean on, or depend on, or confide in. But the surveys tell us now that we have less than two people to talk to and confide in. And that's having a huge impact on our health and happiness and our ability to keep our memories and and live longer lives. So I think it's really important to have this conversation now about what is it that we need and what is the impact on us of not having it.
2: You know, the thing that I think is so fascinating, too, about this is I was reading about, you know, in the book, you know, you talk about this idea of social contact and the impact it has, as you referred to earlier about switching off genes that regulate immune systems, responses to cancer and so forth and so on. Um, And, you know, I think about this. I also think about how how people now talk about us being very, very discerning with the people who we do choose to be around, can you tell tell me a little bit how that might factor in?
5: That's such an interesting idea because it is true that through our devices, we can now choose who we want to talk to and who we want to avoid, which in a real village, let's say, you can't. I yeah. mean, everybody is stuck with each other, like it or not. But what's really interesting about the, what I learned when I was researching this book, I think nobody ever knew that it's not just your intimate buddies who are important, it's also the kind of medium-range social contacts who are really important, so that those diverse people who you run into as you move through your day because you had to run into them before, but now we have to look for them. So, for example, talking to a neighbor who may be different from you, who may be from a different ethnic background or vote for a different political party or have different views it is actually really very good for you to interact with people like that and get to know them because what we're learning is it's not as i said it's not just those three people you know your spouse or your kids or your best friend for sure, you need to interact with them and frequently, but it's also the larger connections, what social scientists call social integration, that is even more predictive of your well-being than those close contacts. And that's something that I never knew before.
2: Wow, you yeah. know, um, you know, so, so you know, a couple of things that I, I think that are so important to talk about, and that is what you refer to as face-to-face contact. Um. You, you know, I I think this is a little funny, but may not be, um, you know, have you ever sat down with a teenager these days and talk with them about face to face contact? You know, wouldn't you like to go perhaps over Mary's house and tell her what you're texting her? And the answer is no. I mean, and it's kind of interesting to, to you know, to be a parent these days and try to figure this out. But I don't think our kids are alone. I think they're actually watching our parents and learning something from it. You know, I don't know how often mommy and daddy have friends over to the house. So where are we going to learn this village effect model?
5: You know, a lot of people have mentioned to me their anxiety about teenagers, but I don't see their behavior as <laughs> being that different from adults, no. as you mentioned. Yeah. Many adults are spending their days, you know, if you go on a subway or on the sidewalk or even at a stoplight in their cars, they're all, they've all got their faces down and buried in their phones. So it's not just the teenagers. I think it's all of us. And the question is, what are we giving up? Because certainly this is a huge kind of cultural upheaval, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it's something that we have to learn how to tone down. So, say, for example, one analogy that I like to think of is, you know, there was an automotive revolution that changed the landscape of America. Suddenly cars became affordable, and everybody thought it was the next best thing since sliced cheese, right? You know, suddenly right. sidewalks disappeared. Suddenly city core you know, downtown areas disappeared. Everybody moved to the suburbs. People didn't talk to each other anymore. The whole nature of American life changed because of the car, not to mention the environmental impact, right? There was holes in the ozone layer and smog. and And it's taken us several decades to come to the realization that we need to really rein this in a little bit if we're going to be able to preserve some something precious, right? That's yeah. the environment or our lifestyle or whatever it is that's most important to you. And I see that our digital dilemma as very similar in that nobody is going to get rid of their devices, but we have to look at what we're losing if we don't learn how to kind of rein in the time that we spend because there's no question that we're spending more time alone and in front of our devices and especially kids are than ever before and it's a question of looking at what's lost because children's brains have evolved to interact there is no doubt about it the research is very clear so when kids are spending seven hours a day in front of a screen and a lot of that is time spent alone parents have to ask themselves okay i'm like really worried about you know organic broccoli and you know if these additives are affecting my child they've really got to worry about what is that child missing out on if they don't get enough interaction in the classroom in the schoolyard and importantly at home at the table for example or enough times during the day for parents to check in in person because one of the interesting studies I came across shows us Mm -hmm. that texting your kids has no impact. Wow. And it, does, it does nothing to reduce their stress. And a lot of us just conflate our online communication with in-person communication. But you know when you see somebody and you make eye contact and you have, they see your facial expression and your, your tone of voice changes along with theirs? You, know, you can hear it sometimes when they're on the phone. You can even tell who somebody is talking to because they're matching their tone of voice to somebody else's. All that synchrony is lost when you're dealing with texting and email and most online communication. And what we know from studies on kids is two important things. First, if they're going for a stressful time, through a stressful time, a text from mom or dad does nothing. It, it does not reduce their cortisol levels, which is a measure, a biological measure of how much stress they're undergoing at that time. Only being there in person or talking to them on the telephone does. So don't waste your time tapping away. Make sure you have some kind of part of your day where you can connect in person and see them. So that, that's one important thing that we should know. No. And the other is that actually too much screen time is eroding kids' happiness. And what the research is telling us is that kids are alienated or feel lonely, and that's part of what it's like to be a teenager, right. then going online for companionship just makes them feel worse. They, some, some people have called it Facebook depression because that's where you go when you kind of feel a little bit down and blue yeah. and alone. Yeah. And you go exactly. there looking for companionship, but what you find is that everybody else's life online looks perfect. Right. And yours, your life is the only one that looks like it's deficient. Of course, yeah. that's not true because people are not the way they are in person, the way they are on Facebook. They're the only put their best foot forward. They only show the photos of themselves celebrating, having fun, their achievements, and so on. So it makes teenagers feel bad, really, and much worse than they did before. And we do know there's a correlation between time spent online okay, and their engagement with real people. The more time they spend online, the less they're engaged with their real communities and their real friends. And in general, we do know that teenagers are texting their people, their community, three times as often as they see them or call them. So, this is kind of a big change from adolescence in a certain respect, in that adolescents love to hang out.
2: Usually. Yeah. You know, one of the things I want to talk with you about when we come back from from break is, you know, this idea of, you know, some of the principles you outline in the book, you know, the power of proximity and beyond. And, you know, part of this is really uh, re-educating for those of us that have a sense of what it's like to have face time with people, uh, you know, to folks that don't have a sense of that. You know, one of the things you talk about is is also by the age of three. You know, a third of American children have TV in their bedrooms. You know, honestly, you know, I think by the age of five, most kids have cell phones. Um, And so when we come back, let's talk about some of the principles, some of the things we can do. And we'll give another copy of the book away. Susan will give you her website. You'll be able to find out lots more and get your own copy of the book. Great book to get, you know, read together together and bring folks to a place of connecting. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back.
7: Looking out on the morning rain I used to feel
8: so uninspired Would you like to be a question with anything that comes up in your body or mind? Would you like to become totally aware and begin to function as the conscious being you truly are? Join Access Certified Facilitator Glenna Rice every month for a live teleclass where you can ask all of your questions and learn to create change in any aspect of your life. Visit GlennaRice.com today to learn more and don't miss the next call. Join the questionable conversation today at GlennaRice.com.
3: Get
0: Sophisticated with David and Philip Zarza. David and Philip touch on topics such as human potential, spirituality, pop culture, and purposeful living. Experience an insightful reading from David on what the universe has in store for you. Or reconnect with a departed loved one. Philip can look into an issue or anything else you may be dealing with. Go to GetSophisticated.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com. Or call 206-420-8660.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Uh, You know, Susan, before we kind of jump in here again, because this time just flies by, what is the best way for people to find out more about you, more about your work, more about your books, more about Susan?
5: Well, you can go to my website, which is my name, SusanPinker.com, and you can read all about me there. And uh, don't you know, just Google me. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. But if you go to my website, you can read a lot about the book and about my last book, too, which caused a lot of controversy. And that's always fun to read about. I know Americans love controversy. And uh, so that's my name, dot com. And the book is pretty much available at any bookstore or any you know online outfit like Amazon or Barnes and Noble.com or Powell's or wherever you like to find your books and in any kind of uh, format like pages or ebook or audiobook where, however you like to listen in the car or in bed or whatever you can have it.
2: Yeah. It, you know, I love this conversation and I love that you decided to investigate this further that it caught your attention. Um, there are some folks, you know, in, in the world of psychology that we live in that believe that we are on the precipice of something that could be irreversible in our society. And they're not just talking about us, they're talking about societies all over the world. We're not necessarily the most techno-savvy society around. Honestly, we're not. But their concern is that there will be this deterioration of what it really means to understand loyalty and commitment to each other as human beings. Now, I don't know necessarily about that, but I do start to be fascinated with the idea of that. Uh, And what does it mean beyond longevity? But what really happens to our sense of commitment, our sense of connection and communication, by the way? Um, and I wanted to ask you to address that because, you know, beyond the village effect and the so many of the brilliant things you point out here, n- you know, communicating, someone had said to me a couple of weeks ago, maybe becoming a lost art. I don't know where I am with that. I, I think we've gone through ages of communication. Certainly you and I have talked about my own level of communication growing up with, uh, you know, a, a strong Southern h- household but I wanted to ask you about that. You know, what are your concerns based on now what you've discovered?
5: Well, I have a few. I don't mm. I don't think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> but I do have some concerns that, you know, essentially it we're a very individualistic society here. And, you know, you know, this is the place where George Burns quipped, you know, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close knit family in another city, mm. right? We, we're really... Rugged individualism is how Americans define themselves. But the reason I had to travel so far, 6,000 miles, really, to find a society where people stick together and look after each other well into their 90s and 100s is because it is becoming less common. And in a certain sense, communicating face-to-face is becoming less common simply because... It's cheaper and easier in many ways to just do it electronically especially if you have to say something difficult I mean nobody likes conflict right but many of us are now using our devices to avoid actually confronting somebody or dealing with somebody's difficult feelings because it's hard Mm -hmm. and it's a difficult skill so one of my concerns is you only learn how to do this through practice and if we're not getting practice with this, we're going to get bad at it because you, in order to pay attention to what the other person is thinking and feeling, you actually have to look them in the eye and you have to pick up what I call in the book, honest signals. You have to pick up their facial expression or their body language, mm-hmm. how they're holding themselves, whether or not you know they're mimicking what you're saying and vice versa. And so I don't think that this is a dying art, as you say, but I do think Mm -hmm. it's something that not only do we need to pay attention to, it's as hard to do as trigonometry. There are people in the world who are on the artistic spectrum, for example, who are just naturally not as good at that as other folks, and they have to learn how to break it down into little pieces and learn it the way most of us learn how to parallel park or do math. So the idea that this just comes naturally to us and we don't have to use it or practice it is incorrect. So that, yeah. that's one of the things that concerns me. The second thing is that there is a myth out there that our devices are going to dissolve the differences between us. And uh-huh. I think it's the opposite, actually. I think you actually have to live with and talk to and communicate face-to-face with people who are different from you to have empathy for them. And if we don't do that, if we just get into our cars and just communicate with people at a distance, then we're going to forget what the other looks like and sounds like and how they think. There's going to be less understanding of the other point of view. And, and there are some who think that this has already happened, and that's why there's so much griping on the governmental scene. hmm you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm more concerned on the individual level in the classroom, for example, where right. tablets and computers have invaded the classroom and have sort of absorbing all the resources that schools have. You know, whether it's financial resources, space, whatever it is that the way we quantify education now is by its devices instead of by its human resources, because. Another thing that I learned in the book that was completely new to me was that there is nothing as powerful as one year with a highly trained teacher in terms of predicting a good outcome for a kid. Uh You know, If you want to predict who's going to go to college, who's going to go to a good college, who's going to not get pregnant in high school, who's going to get a good job and save for retirement, who's going to live in a good neighborhood – all you have to do is whether they look at whether they've had one highly skilled teacher in middle school. And this is what we're learning from economists. And the contrast is that there is no laptop program or tablet program yet that's been evaluated that has shown us that there's a difference between learning with those devices and learning with a teacher.
2: And, you know, you you go on to talk about this in many, many ways in the book, um, you know, you again, referring to the power of proximity. The other thing, though, you know, that uh, I'm finding interesting in the context of this is the diversity in spiritual practice that we have, you know. And what I mean was, you know, I grew up in an environment where you get up on Sunday, y'all get dressed, the whole family goes out, you go to church, are you know, you go do something spiritual, you go to synagogue, whatever you do, you go do it, and it's done as a family. Uh, now you can download a uh, a, a podcast of your favorite
5: minister. right? Right, yeah, you could, you know, the sermon of the week, yes, yes, or watch it
2: online, even. Oh, wh- yes, yes. Uh, and it, it it is kind of really interesting to see that change because I did grow up in an environment, um, certainly not in that environment now, but I did grow up in an environment wh- where you had to be there or you missed the message. You know, if you were not there in, in that facility, in that church, that building, uh-oh, you know, God ain't going to see you. And we live in a world now where we're so connected that people can explore other aspects of spirituality, you know, can explore other messages uh, uh, of meeting. I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, what you think about the relationship between face-to-face and spirituality in the world. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show, right back with Susan Pinker and the Village Effect, everybody. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
1: The Read of a Lifetime. Advanced Studies of the Human Aura by David Christopher Lewis overflows with new vital revelations to enlighten your mind and transform your world. Learn to supercharge your aura with rainbow-colored radiance and magnetize your heart's highest desires. Advanced Studies of the Human Aura. It will change how you see yourself. Advanced Studies of the Human Aura by David Christopher Lewis. Order it today at davidclewisbook.org. Put a little woo-hoo in your life with
8: Keys. Keys Clear Protein Waters have 22 grams of smile-making, attitude-adjusting protein in every bottle. Did I mention its tongue-tingling taste? Not just another guilty pleasure. With Keys, you'll enjoy every low-sugar sip and freedom from gluten, lactose, and GMOs. Who needs the fountain of youth when you can find Keys on Amazon or at Keys, K-E-E-S, please, dot com. Put a little woo in your attitude with
7: Keys Protein Water. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine with Sheer sure Alchemy on Transformation Talk Radio. And here's your tip of the day. When we choose to release the baggage that's in the way of manifesting our destiny, it doesn't mean that we have to abandon everyone. And if you think that, then you are being held by an energy that can feel extremely negative. If I ask you where you're feeling it, common places being the solar plexus or your heart space, you will notice that the joy is gone. You are withdrawing energetically, pulling back. When we came into this world, it wasn't to be miserable and to tolerate and to live according to the needs and desires of others. So choose now. What are you wanting in your life? Are you hiding behind others and their needs so you don't have to step onto your own life path? Guilt is learned. Let's undo it and get our joy back. Let's switch up the language. Join me on Sheer Alchemy on Transformation Talk Radio or visit lesliefontaine.com.
9: Are you tired of being bloated and nauseous? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know eating unhealthy foods eventually leads to an unhealthy digestive system? Did you know eating the most healthy, nutritious food doesn't necessarily result in a healthy body? The stomach must be healthy in order to properly digest, metabolize, and utilize even the best of nutrition. Without proper digestion from the stomach through the intestinal tract, the nutritious value is not absorbed and the improperly digested food can be more toxic to your body than helpful. You can be doing all the right things and getting all the wrong results. In fact, other organs may also be interfering with your stomach's ability to digest. Contact us today for your appointment at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. Or visit us at maryjanemack.com.
2: Super welcome. Great, great, great to be connecting with you. For more about us, go to the Dr. or transformation talk uh, Go to Facebook, the Dr. Pat show, Twitter, the Dr. Pat show. You know, Susan, uh, you can find out all about her. You could Google the village effect. Um, I believe Mr. Benny, we've given out two books so far. Is that right?
3: We have just done the one, but we can do the other one.
2: Let's do it. Yeah. 1-800-930-2819. We'd love to give you a copy of a book. 1-800-930-2819. You know, Susan, I, I, I was really struck by the part in the book, you know, that you talk about when you're talking about how we connect and, you know, going to chapel and so forth and so on. Um, And and yet, I believe we live in such an incredible day and age That there's so much available about spirituality that so far takes us out of our local community. You know, whether it's religions, whether it's spiritual practice, whether it's something in New Thought, it doesn't matter. There's just so much now available to people do you think we're giving up kind of going to the church thing or the service thing or synagogue or wherever we're going? Have we have we moved away from it, or is that something that you believe we'll still continue to do?
5: There is a trend of people leaving kind of group religious practice and doing things on their own, you know, meditating on their own or praying on their own. and And I think in some ways, even though it's convenient. It defeats some of the purpose of religion, which is to be together with people and absorb that animal warmth. You know, in the book, I write a lot about how being together with people, doing the same thing at the same time, is a very reassuring feeling to us as a social species. When we, you know, when we all, you know, kneel together, or sing together, or clap together, or bow together, this makes us feel good and in fact we didn't talk about this before, but when yeah. you're with somebody face to face whether you're you know rubbing shoulders in church or whether you're connecting you know Starbucks over a coffee or you know playing poker on your birthday <laughs> when you're with people in person there's a biological cascade of events that happens that makes you feel good in the here and now it damps down your stress it is a natural painkiller, something your own body produces, and it creates resilience in the here and now and into the future. And if you pay attention, actually, you can even feel it. You know, if you're close to somebody, you know, you could be cuddling or you could just be giving them a hug or a pat. You get kind of a little buzz from that. And when you're observing your religious practice all by yourself, you're, you're missing out on that little kind of social contact buzz. And that little buzz is really quite protective, as we've been talking about. And you don't have to live in a village or you don't have to be in a mega church to feel it, really. You just can make little tiny tweaks in your life to induce it.
2: Well, you know, I mean, part of this is now, and I and I mentioned to the to you that you know recently I had gone back to that to church that I grew up with in my childhood, and the whole context of it has changed. I mean, there's a part of the service now where everybody stops and they turn to each other and they hug each other, and you, you know what I mean? They introduce oh, yeah. each other. I mean, it, that that aspect has now been incorporated into various you know spiritual and religious centers you know, as part of the service.
5: And not just that. I mean, I think it's a great thing, but not just that a lot of churches are cottoning on to the fact that we're such a solitary and lonely society, really lonelier than we've ever been before, that they have to fill that gap. So, you know, when I went to, as part of my research, I went to a mega church in California, in San Jose, I discovered there was a little group created for every Person in the congregation. It could be teenagers, it could be single moms, it could be, you know, retired men who play golf, whatever it was, they had a group for you, and they know, I don't think they've read the research, but they know intuitively that we need to be joiners, we need to be participators to get the benefit of not only the church experience, but really the human or social experience. So they were kind of filling in a little empty niche that society has left.
2: Wow. You know, I mean, there's so many things that you've really, really covered in the book. I I wanted to ask you this question about, you know, where do we go from here? You know, what is it that you, you know, would encourage us to do, especially as we bring this year, right? We're kind of winding down for this year. We're getting ready for a new year. And, you know, the holidays, uh, there's there's much that can be read and written about the holiday season. Some people love them. Some people, you know, some people, they're, they're either loving them or they're hating them. And it has to do with the contact that people uh, make around the, the holiday season, What would you say to folks about how to connect differently, perhaps, this year than they've ever done before?
5: Well, I think I'd start with the idea of creating your own village. You don't have Mm. to move to Sardinia. You can create one where you live, and that means not being a Grinch about the social aspect of either the holidays or the new year. You know, if you don't have plans for the holidays, Get on the phone and talk to people and find out what they're doing and see if you can get involved. If you are making a celebration, reach out to other people in your network, even ones you don't know that well, because what it means to create a village is to have diverse relationships, not just your nearest and dearest Something we already talked about, but I'm going to emphasize, adjust your social contact to your temperament. If you're outgoing and you feel you're not getting enough social contact, maybe one of your New Year's resolutions is to get out more or join things or make a weekly plan with friends. If you're an introvert, make sure that you do something that makes you feel good. It could be something just small like a potluck dinner once a month or you know, something kind of manageable for you or do you work in a place where other people are working and where you can form little relationships if you're using a heavy user of devices amplify that online contact with real contact use your devices to get to know people in person whether it's dating or whether it's a religious experience or just plain friendly get-togethers education Really, the focus should be on getting the best teaching face-to-face time for your child. That means for parents, meals with their kids without screens, making sure that their kids use their screens in moderation, meaning you can control how much they're online just the way you control how much junk food they eat or you try to anyway. Certainly reduce screen time in preschoolers and daycares and do not use technology as a way to increase class sizes. This is sort of the new thing that's happening to save money in education. So for kids, nothing predicts school success and happiness like face-to-face contact. So commit to family meals without screens. I think that's easy and cheap enough for almost anybody to do. And at times of stress, Real contact, no texting. Oh, if you, wow. you know, one more thing, if you are at work, build real human contact into your work day. Get up and talk to your colleagues down the hall. The exercise will be good for you. <laughs> and forming a relationship makes for more cohesive teams, and as you'll learn in the book, much more productivity. So there are a few other tips at the end of the book, but I'll leave that for readers to discover. Is there anything else that we missed? Well,
2: I'd like to ask you one last question and thank you for joining me here today. What's your personal message? What would you love to leave us with here today?
5: That, you know, I think my personal message is is this is connecting face to face is as important to your survival or more important than almost anything else you can do. So even, you know, it's more important than dieting or cutting down drinking or quitting smoking. So if there's one New Year's resolution that you should focus on, it's interacting with people in person. Awesome. That's my last message.
2: Thank you, Susan. Susan, give out your website again, and thank you so much. It's SusanPinker.com,
5: and thank you so much, Pat. You're a lot of fun to talk to.
2: And what a great topic. So, you know, step out in the world, Let's get some face-to-face going on this week. We'll see you next time on the show.
4: Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information.
0: Listen to the Yo! Andrew News Talk Show every Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. More info where to listen? www.yoandrewnts.com listen. Don't get your message lost in the mail. Email us with this address, yoandrew at yoandrewnts.com. How about tweet Yo! Andrew at AndrewTweetGeo? Taking a picture is easy. Instagram us today at @yoandrewnts.
6: Step into more inner and outer leadership in all facets of your life. This means being the CEO of your own destiny. Imagine a life of what you say goes. Lynn Brown, the host of Winning at the Game of Life, is going to help you activate the power in being present, owning your space, and harnessing all of your energy during her full-day workshop, Own Your Leadership, Own Your Life. Get ready to own your body, your relationships, your work, and your life. Lynn and co-facilitator Wendy Wolf have teamed up for a body and spirit experience that will transform you forever. Every person will receive two 20-minute sessions of body or aura work, amazing content, and a full one-hour healing session with Lynn or Wendy. Lunch is included. Space is limited. Sign up early and get an additional 20-minute session included. To register or for more information, contact Lynn at ruintuit.com or call 844 be INTUIT. Workshop is January 31st, 930 a.m. to 430 p.m. in downtown Bellevue.
1: Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information.
8: Would you like to be a question with anything that comes up in your body or mind? Would you like to become totally aware and begin to function as the conscious being you truly are? Join Access Certified Facilitator Glenna Rice every month for a live teleclass where you can ask all of your questions and learn to create change in any aspect of your life. Visit GlennaRice.com today to learn more and don't miss the next call. Join the questionable conversation today at GlennaRice.com.
3: Get Sophisticated with David and Philip
0: Zarza. David and Philip touch on topics such as human potential, spirituality, pop culture, and purposeful living. Experience an insightful reading from David on what the universe has in store for you or reconnect with a departed loved one. Philip can look into an issue or anything else you may be dealing with. Go to GetSophisticated.com That's S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com or call
2: 206-420-8660.